Welcome to Eurovision, a podcast with a unique Irish perspective on the Eurovision Song Contest. 12 points. Everybody, Fulcha to the Eurovision podcast episode one. You're very welcome. This is our first episode, and hopefully, many to come of the Eurovision podcast, an Irish based Eurovision podcast. My name is Lou. My name is Connor. And we will be your hosts of the Eurovision podcast. First off, Connor and all of our listeners, happy Eurovision New Year. Happy ESC New Year. Woo, 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 woo. Very exciting. So this means that any song that is released from this date, September 1st, mm-hmm. is eligible for the Eurovision Song Contest 2023. Exciting times. I think it's always this time of year where you're like, oh my God, okay, ESC is coming. Let's build it up. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Exciting times. Who are we, Connor? How do we know each other? Well, we both know each other through Eurovision, which is exciting. We're actually kind of neighbours, like we only lived oh. in the road. So uh, we're both from Dublin. We're both Irish. Yippa! <laughs> um, So we both know each other through Eurovision. You do you like Eurovision Hub, so that's how I knew yeah. of you before. Yeah, we've been around. Like we're... have been around the block. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, we've been in the same circles. The Irish Eurovision world is small. Very A lot small. of us know each other. Um, we've known each other two or three years, but it feels like 10. It feels, like, not yeah. in a bad way. I feel like the pandemic <laughs> has aged me, guys, okay? It's like there's people I've known three or four years and it feels like it's been so much longer. But um, it's been great, particularly yeah. for us getting to know a lot of Irish Eurovision fans and getting stuck into the events and going to gigs. The last, like, three, four years, despite the C word, has been really good. No, it has. Really good. And especially, like, I feel like Eurovision fans in Ireland, because it's such a niche subject, Mm. you know, there's not a lot of people that express their love for Eurovision. So I think, you know, getting to know the likes of you and other people, it's great because, you know, it's allowed us to show our love for the contest. And it's something that I think Irish people need to do a lot more of. Because, you know, seven-time champion, whoop, whoop. (laughs) I mean, look, we are technically... Technically, the best at Eurovision. <laughs> we're about laughing as yeah, we say that because like... I mean, <laughs> lads, we're in the pit. Oh. We're in. When did we last qualify? 2018? 2018. And then before mm. that was 2013. So it's even worse when you think it's about not, it. It's not for lack of trying, or is it? Maybe it it's is. It's a bit of both. I think <laughs> there's recently been it has. some bad luck. And oh, yeah. There's been like, some bad songs. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Exactly. I think so. I think so. But we'll get more into that. Throughout during the podcast, the podcast and in exactly. future episodes so what we're doing with this podcast i suppose we're 
coming to Eurovision from an Irish angle, from an Irish perspective. Of course, we are going to specialise in Ireland and Eurovision, but we're going to be talking all things Eurovision and maybe even junior in Eurovision come come the time. But can we get into Eurovision 2022, please? We can, because we both went to Turin. Well, hold on. This is very exciting. Oh, okay. Rewind. Let's play Stephania. Play Stephania. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the winner of Eurovision 2022, Stephania by Kalush Orchestra. Stephania by Kalush Orchestra, the winners of the Eurovision Song Contest 2022. I love that song, Connor. You know I love that. You, you loved it from the very start as well, which is fair I to did. say. I did. We're going to get into that though. And the reason why Connor knows I love it so much is because we went to Turin together. I know. Like, it's surreal thinking back on it. Like, it was probably one of the best weekends of my life. And, you know, it was just brilliant seeing the fans, seeing the artists live. Huntsman, Paul, but we'll get into all that. We'll get into all that. Right from the get-go, it was just amazing. We got to Dublin Airport and I want to shout out to Rob. Yeah. The very first person we're going to shout out on Airvision. I love it. Um, Rob is an English fan living in Dublin and he texts me and we figured out we were on the same flight, Dublin to Milan. And we hung out with him in the airport. He ended up in the row behind us going to Milan Spoke to him about Eurovision the whole Hopefully. way on the flight. I made friends with this girl beside me. It was like 11. We got like a wee glass of wine. She wasn't a Eurovision fan. We just, we made friends. And then we were talking about Eurovision the whole way. And there was some other fan behind yeah. us on the plane. It was a good time. It was great. It was great. And that was only on the plane to Milan. I know. And then we arrived in Milan. Then we met Michal. Michal. We're going to call him Glasgow, Glasgow Michal, Michal for the purposes of the podcast. Because <laughs> there will be two Michals you will definitely meet 100%. over the of this podcast. So we met Michal in Milan. And then we got mm. the train from Milan to Turin. Yep. Which was exciting as well. We were getting, you know, more hyped for building up to it. Then we met Michal O'Kane. Melfest Michal. Melfest Michal. Yes. And then the weekend took off from there. You know, It's we all were, a blur. Like it, a very happy joyful blur definitely yeah we went to the jury final on the friday which was very exciting we saw basically the entire final for what it was except for of course the fake voting and the fake maniskin exactly because we want to tell people (laughs) why do we leave early (laughs) just a little bit of context right there's this magical place in turin called the huntsman pub (laughs) 
<laughs> Wait, thank you for that, Connie. <laughs> I was going to send it. That was my sound, own voice. Sound effects and everything. That's amazing. Uh, we were in the Huntsman pub right before we went to the jury final. Uh, very amazing Irish pub who we owe our lives to. Was it even Irish? Yeah, it was. Oh, was it? Okay, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they let us, a bunch of fans, take over that place for the weekend. Hijacked. Iconic. But there was these Australian fans at a table beside us. Do you remember? And we were kind of chatting to them. We get to, yourself, myself, and Glasgow, Miho, mm-hmm. get to the arena to see the jury final. There's empty seats beside me. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And who arrives but the Aussie fans <laughs> from the Huntsman? The Eurovision world is so small. They were great crack. We enjoyed the jury final. During Portugal's performance, Saudade, uh, Glasgow, Miho was having a freak out because it was his favourite of the, the year. One of the Australian fans turns to me and says, Louise, Brooke is in the Huntsman partying it up with all of the Irish fans and he's showing me pictures and videos. We had been there, bear in mind, about one hour beforehand. We had spent all our time in Turin so far there in the Huntsman. And I'm like looking at yourself, Connor, and I'm looking at Michal and I'm like, we can't tell them. We need to protect them. They don't need to know that we've missed Brock. (laughs) I was stressing midway through the show. You two turned around to me. Louise, Brock is in the Huntsman. (laughs) I know. But Melfest Michal is texting me. Louise, you guys don't need to stay for the fake voting or the fake maniskin. Get out of there early. We'll try and stall Brooke. And we met her. Yeah, it was amazing. And she was gas crack. Absolutely gas. And she said to me, she was like, oh, I'm going out with Rylan, like, after this. I'm having the time of my life. Like, no hangover from the night before about not qualifying. She was still enjoying the Eurovision experience yeah. from the get-go, which was brilliant to see. But she was gas crack. We also met Andrea from... Nor- oh, that was the following night. That was after, that was on yeah. after the final. But we met loads we of... We were dummy from Czech Republic. One of the hosts, I forget his name, but the fellow with the beard that we met yes. as well. Let's talk about Brock. Robbed. That's rich. It is coming from you, and that's rich. Well, I got nothing to prove. That's rich. You think I just don't beat you, and that's rich. Bye, bye, boy. Absolutely robbed. I don't know what we have to do to qualify. In you know, we were in the tougher semi final. Of course, it was tough. But, you know, the performance was just amazing. And I think there was some tweet. It was like, you know, recording the audio decibels in the studio audience. And Ireland was like the top three. I'm from not surprised. You can hear us in the clip. And then we didn't qualify. It came 15th. It's nuanced, though. Mm-hmm. First off, right. Let's be real. Ireland just always struggles. We don't have that kind of... I hate the term neighborly voting because I'm not implying that in a negative way what I mean is you know if you take a pop star who's famous in for example a southern European country other southern European countries probably know of that star or hear them on the radio or are exposed to that person in Ireland we just don't really have that like our most famous people will probably have exposure in the UK 
If which, they even do. Yeah, and which we saw with Brooke, obviously, getting the 12 points from the UK. Tell and I think Derry, as well, really was a big help there. Yeah. And I know, I have to shout out to UK Euro fans, who I really know rally behind Ireland and vote for us. Like, shout out to you guys. And not even during Eurovision. Eurosong. During our national final. <laughs> which we really of, needed. A lot of UK fans were messaging me, promising me they were voting for Brooke, which I really appreciated. But... Yeah, like, first off, we're always going to struggle with points. Yeah. And televote in particular. We're, we're just always going to struggle. That's just how it is. Yeah. However, let's combat that and say, if you have the best song ever, people will vote. Of course. So there's an element of we're always going to be on the back foot. Now, the elephant in the room when it comes to semi-final too. There was some... Dodgy little, you know, envelopes being passed around. Which, of course, was found out. But it's hard to analyse, you know, semi-final two in a... Yeah. You know, a good manner because we don't have full details. You know, six... I think six of the country's jury votes were dis- disregarded because of, yeah. you know... There was a pattern amongst them And all. some of those countries contested that. Yes. And, I mean, we don't know for sure what happened. True. What exactly went down. DBU possibly doesn't either. Probably not. We can't really comment on it specifically in relation to any country in particular or group of countries. But something funny was going on. Exactly. Maybe that affected her result. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it, I've got her points here. I mean, 12 off the UK in Televote. We needed that to have any chance. Any chance, yeah. Seven off the Spaniards. Love them. Te amo. Australia, eight. Can I just come at this and say, I do think when it comes to semi-finals, the big five and Australia, their points are often the most important. You're going to have the more hardcore Eurovision fans actually tune in and vote exactly. in the semi-finals. The average, for example, UK viewer is probably going to tune in for the final because the UK is in the final. Yeah. So fair enough. They're not in the semi-final. So... We garnered some of those very important mm-hmm. televote points, which is good. Good to see. What, very low jury points? Six off Australia, one from Cyprus, one from Belgium, and four from Estonia, and that's it. Mm-hmm. A couple it- of televote points here and there. Three off Malta, three off Israel, one from Belgium, one Czech Republic. And those other big ones I mentioned, and that's it. It's disappointing to see, because I think... You know, a lot of Eurovision fans would argue that Brooke deserved to qualify, and we would obviously agree with that. But, you know, you look at that televote score, at least we came 11th. Mm. So we were borderline. I think we always knew in this semi final we were going to be a borderline qualifier. We were never going to be a safe, there sure qualifier. There was a point that week people were like, Ireland looks surefire. Yeah. I am aware, though, the Twitter world of Eurovision is very insular. Yes. And it's a bubble that you can get lost in. And I always think as well, when you go back to thinking of when we first heard That's Rich. Yeah. Were we mad about it in terms of like, oh my God, it's brilliant as, you know, as we did towards the end of our, yeah. you know, listening to it and getting, you know, more known and more familiar with it. Mm. You know, a lot of, you know, like you said, the Twitter universe is very a minute proportion of the Eurovision fandom. Yeah. And, you know, 200, 180 million, 200 people watching, like they're hearing the song for the first time. Yeah. I always think of, you know, our first reaction of going, mm, it's okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. Right direction for Ireland. Mm. But is it one of the best? Is it the top 10 in that semi-final? Yeah, it's 
It's a difficult one to call. Our running order was not good. No, I think we should have probably closed the show. Mm. Because I think the Czech Republic would have been a nice kind of mid-taste within the kind of, whatever, 17, 18 songs that we had in semi-final. Um, but look, there's nothing we can do about that now. But I do think there is a sense of bad luck in terms of, yeah, six people were, six countries were cheating. Running order. Allegedly. Allegedly, we should say. Uh, so yeah, I think again, these there's more external factors at, yeah. at you know at the core of us not qualifying. But we move on. We move. Look, Brooke can be proud of us, and it seems like she's taking off well. Yeah, she's got she's more killing it. Coming. I have a lot of time for Brooke. Same. She was a great representative. Yeah. And we move, I guess, mm-hmm. onwards and upwards. It's not an entry we can be embarrassed about. Absolutely or- not. I do want to shout out to maybe Orti opening up the process a little bit more. Yeah. There was an improvement in terms of we got national final. I am openly not a fan of the Late Late Show format and I probably never will be. Although I do appreciate that it opened up a little bit and they tried something different with it. And that they even changed the voting, you know, the televote, the jury, the international jury. It was something a little bit different and maybe helped Irish fans feel more ownership over what we said. Definitely. And I think as well, it was nice to see, yes, it was within the Late Late Show, but there was a bit of effort put in in terms of, you know, the studio has changed. Like you said, more, you know, there was juries, the international jury was involved this time around. There was a bit more thought put into it, but I do Mm. agree with you, you know, the Late Late Show was not a place for, you know, a Eurovision national final to be taking place. And it's good as well. I'm sure we'll talk about this in a future podcast, but, you know, the national media is also recognising that now. You know, that today, um, not today, new, News Talk, they were talking about, you know, how the Late Late Show is not a suitable format. Mm. So hopefully, you know, I don't have high hopes, but 2023, if Eurosong does return, hopefully it's a bit more broader than, you know, just being on a Friday night Late Late Show for the, in the middle of February. But, you know, we'll, sure, we'll talk about that in the future. I'll sum this up. There is work to be done. Mm. Should we quickly talk about the top five from this year before Absolutely. we move on? Absolutely. Fifth was Serbia. Sorry to any Serbians if I butchered that. That was brilliant in the arena. It seeing was. that live, the whole crowd involved. Glasgow, Mihal, yes, we were all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, this grew on me. Definitely. I did not get, I will not lie. I was like, what on earth is this? I always liked this. I liked her, sorry. Never liked the song. Mm. And then sitting on, you know, it's Friday night. It's a performance night. song. Definitely. I would never really stream this on Spotify no. personally, but the performance is fun. Mm-hmm. And she's great crack as well. Oh, she is. She's great crack. What a woman. Moving My housemate on. was like, this looks like a cult. <laughs> it literally was. And you know what? The whole Irish media was like, oh, washing your hands. You know, Meghan Joe Markle. Duffy. Yeah, like broader meaning, broader meaning. But, you know, mm. number four, top four, third, oh, fourth place. Oh, Connor and I are about to get mushy. <laughs> this was Cornelia Jacobs. Hold me closer. said I think this had a very very special place in our heart yeah both of our winners right yeah 
And it's interesting because you saw her win Melfest. Oh, I was in bits. I was roaring the house down. And then you saw her at the final jury show. So I it must have like been I a nice journey. I feel like I went on journey. the journey with her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was incredible. Yeah. And I think it's the perfect, you know, the way Sweden very rarely changes the staging for mm. Eurovision. It was a nice glow up. From Melfest. Yes. It lost 5% of its sparkle. Yes, of course, of course. But they did really well mm-hmm. for the mess of that touring stage, can we just say? Shout out to the son of death. <laughs> oh, awful. <laughs> but that was a brilliant placing for Sweden. I think it's a little bit of what they needed. They've gone off the track ever so slightly in recent years and I love how for Sweden going off the track is like a right hand yeah. side placement <laughs> but a fourth place is amazing Cornelia's doing great you touring know, all touring around, around. so many fans who love and adore her she could come back I would love to see her come back mm. I think she'd be great even just as a songwriter just her whole like her, listening to her albums and her singles it's, she's brilliant and I would love to see her back on the Eurovision stage it was just so raw and genuine. It was re- yeah. re- I really believed her and the song is just such a lovely song. It's relatable to so many people yeah. who've gone through a little heartbreak or breakup. I just love her. She's great. Love it. Next up was Spain, España. Are Chanel. you ready to dance break, Connor? I'm all tired out from Turin, my God. <laughs> Slow-mo, my God. I think this, I don't know if you agree, but this probably got the best reaction in the arena that night. Well, we were in a section with Spanish, Spanish fans yeah. and it felt like an earthquake was coming. Oh, it was amazing. But mm. the performance, my God, it was... Because, you know, I think even Chanel herself in performances over, you know, from the time she won Benidorm Fest in the lead-up to Eurovision, I think she lost the kind of... Sp- Bark of you know the performance she kinda... was probably overdoing yeah it. Like, exactly she's just overexposed yeah you know they revamped it slightly the staging got upgraded mm. my god that pyro wall was a eurovision winning moment Literally. i won't lie well like i just thought about it and i got goosebumps yeah. i remember seeing it and thinking oh that could win yeah that could win and i don't think anyone could have argued against it not win. like if yeah. it did win i think it was winner worthy and i think it's it's great to see I know you love Spain. I <laughs> love so much Spain. España. I love Spain. And it's so good to see them do well because, of course, like, you know, the last few years, they haven't been doing so well. The passion that Spanish fans have. Benidorm Fest was an amazing tribute to the talent that is in the Spanish industry. And, you know, even the fact that we had Terra, we had, um, what's her name, Rigoberta, yeah. so many cool artists... There was multiple entries from that national selection in Spain, which would have been great Eurovision entries. I definitely think Chanel had that real moment, that spark. And it's something that Spaniards should be incredibly proud of. I'm actually very excited for Benidorm next year. Me too. I think this is going to catapult Spain into a whole new territory when it comes mm. to Eurovision and they're taking it seriously we've seen Benidorm Fest they take that so seriously and then moving on to Eurovision they're taking it so seriously 
And that's what you need to do, you know, put a bit of love into it and look what you can do. Third place. How good is it to see the big five finally starting to come together? Not you, Germany. I'm sorry. Zero points. (laughs) But you know what I mean? And I can say that because I'm partially German. But no, seriously, to connect onto our next, our second place, our runner up, which is the UK, do you recall seeing uh, Lee, isn't it? Uh, Lee Smithurst from mm-hmm. the, the UK delegation. He put up a lovely post uh, around the time of Eurovision, I think just after the results, uh, or just before perhaps, where he spoke about, you know, 2021, both Spain and the UK suffering, honestly, dismal results in the 2021 contest, and how himself and the head of delegation from Spain basically sat and promised each other that next year they would do everything in their power to bring their countries back into Eurovision with a bang. And my God, did Spain and the UK both deliver. Top five finish for them both. Our neighbours came (laughs) second. Can you believe the UK were the runners up? Can you believe it, Connor? And it was so surreal because we were watching with a few UK fans as well. And it was so surreal seeing them get so excited about getting 12 points. And even we were getting excited for them. I was kind of shouting at them. I was like, you're very calm. We, like the Irish fans would have been screaming, crying, Like we were just screaming when Linda Martin came on the screen, no matter getting us points. (laughs) They were very um, respectful and had a lot of decorum. Like, I don't know (laughs) if I would have been that calm. Um, But honestly... I'm delighted for the UK. Yeah, and I think Sam Ryder was such a good representative for them. He knew the contest. He knew what he had to do. He got his great team behind him. Mm-hmm. He was phenomenal. And I would love to see him come back as well someday. Oh, yeah. What an artist. He's, he is an artist, Proper isn't artist. he? He's not just someone who rolls out a few songs exactly. and goes on TikTok. He's here for the, I know he was for the future. discovered on TikTok, but he's an artist, yeah. you know. He's he's amazing. Definitely. I can't believe they're the <laughs> Like, I can't believe it. It does give you a hope. A bit of hope. No, does it? I'm not too sure <laughs> it, about that. It should. It should. Like, I mean, if if the UK can do can it, pull, maybe yeah, we yeah. can do can something. <laughs> maybe we can qualify sometime. <laughs> I think as well, like, it is, it shows you how simple it is to change. Yeah. You know, they go from last change your fortune. to second. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not, you know, as much work as we think it is. Nothing's ever as bad as it seems, I think. It must we'll be <laughs> so satisfying for the UK Euro fans who've dealt with the awful it's political, politics, it's, discourse, yeah, it's um, Brexit, all this kind of terrible crap. media coverage that Eurovision has had and social media discourse and just all of the nonsense that we've seen over the years. And can I just add, and I, I'm honestly not just saying this because we know a lot of UK fans, how kind of graceful and how appreciative have all of the UK fans been Been they have been nothing but like rays of sunshine since that result and that's how they should be because what a result exactly second place and as well of course we know they're hosting 
because mm-hmm. of course the winners Ukraine, who we'll talk about in a second, they can't host. Yeah, and they've been so gracious about it. Yeah, you know they've been so open about it yeah. and happy to be hosting on behalf of Ukraine and making sure that Ukraine is such an integral part of them hosting the contest, which I think mm. is fantastic to see as well. I can't wait to discuss that a bit later yeah. on. Which brings us to our winners of Eurovision 2022. Ukraine! Woo! Stephanie Kalush Orchestra. And my God, this was an overwhelming win. Mm-hmm. Like, Landside televote. Landside, like 400 and odd televote alone. Mm-hmm. That's like, some years, that's just a total winning score yeah. with everything combined. You know, 92% of countries, I think, gave them their 12 points. Just shows you the wow. overwhelming love that Europe had for, for Ukraine on the on the night. Absolutely incredible. You know, we mentioned before, you loved the song from oh, day one. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. I'd say after Cornelia, this was my favourite. You know, probably my my second in my ranking of this year. For me, there's so many elements of the song that I love. That flute is what gets me. It's so good. It's so good. Ukraine has this knack of sending songs which are just different, yet so, like, catchy and danceable I really love the idea of being on the dance floor and Stephanie coming on you know like I'd be like right down on the ground for that <laughs> flute bit like just giving it socks giving it welly um, and really poignant you know the way it's about the Ukrainian mother and it's emotional yet upbeat at the same time you know there's, there's a hopefulness about it almost really beautiful song really different to anything I've heard and that's one of the reasons why I love Eurovision you know being exposed to a form of music that I probably wouldn't hear on the radio or on my streaming accounts you know it's just something different and for sure a memorable winner one we'll never ever forget definitely and you know the staging of it as well was beautiful you know the the silhouettes on the floor the the Mm. eyes in the back of the LED screen it was just real poignant and yeah. I think it was a great entry for Ukraine yeah. given the year and the circumstances that they're yeah. going through at the moment and a deserving win I think you know it's done them so proud yeah I think everyone can respect the entry as a as a winner do you know what I mean absolutely it's, it, yeah it's, it's brilliant and let's not let's not you know beat around the bush or make any mistake this song is a deserving winner and I will say this until the cows go home <laughs> there's no cows here but do you know what I mean I get what you mean it's a phrase guys it's a phrase, <laughs> it's, a Irish phrase. It's, it's, it's a very Irish phrase um, you know nobody went around to all of the homes in Europe and asked Forced everybody them, yeah. to vote you know like everybody voted for this with their free will juries and televote televote full of love yeah. brimming with love and it's amazing it was it was a very very special moment very special moment also sorry who stages the Ukrainian entries? Can they have a word <laughs> with RT, please? I mean, they just never get it wrong, ever. So moving on, Connor, what's next? Shall we know 
Backpack Laura Gokdina. All right, everyone. This is the part of the podcast where you may or may not recognize some of the language I'm speaking. Given this is an Irish-based Eurovision podcast, it's very, very important to us to speak a little bit about our Irish language. Yes. So, of course, in recognition of the late Sandy Jones and our only ever Irish language entry in the Eurovision Song Contest. This is a little section of the podcast I like to call the Kill on Grawl segment. Are you excited, Connor? I'm, I'm get to me very here. excited. I'm very excited. Me, my relationship with Irish, I was never taught a good foundation in school of it. So I always feel that that was my downfall, even though I love the language. I think mm. it's a beautiful language. So I think I'm excited for this to hopefully reignite my yeah. relationship with Irish. So I'm very excited. We love to see it. I should also preface this and say, I love Gaelga, I love Irish, but if there are any like proper, proper Gaelgory out there <laughs> or Gael talked region people who would like to get in touch and correct me on any little mistakes I make, you are more than welcome. I am full of enthusiasm, maybe not quite full of the knowledge, <laughs> but I will be trying my best. It's even on Gaelga, I love Irish. So how this is going to work. I am going to say a sentence Asquelga in Irish that is relevant to the Eurovision Song Contest. Connor is going to try and guess maybe what I'm saying and we're going to have a little bit of a chat around the pronunciation and the words and so on. <laughs> Connor, on what's your Are you ready? Tell me Ray. Oh, is that all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> This will be fine for you. No, my Irish is very bad now. No, no, no. <laughs> like, you'll, the context, you'll okay. know. I, I think even our non-Irish speakers should have a good lash at this, right? Let's rock and roll. Okay. Tá an gá fuinte yeig ag dul gadi. The 12 points go to... Yeah, we need like... We need like a side effect. Tá an cárta go to you are correct. Ana, ana wá. Okay, everybody. Well, you're all going to be fluent by the end. Gourmet in the market. Taught on on Fulcher Oath. Next up is a Who Said It segment. Oh. This is a quote from any Eurovision representative over the years. Right. One line, one quote from them, but you have to guess who said it. Oh, goodness me. And it's not something they sang. It's something they said. Something they said. So it could be at a press conference, at a pre-party, anywhere. Something a bit iconic. I would say so, yes. Right. It's not some, you know, oh, this I is have tricky, but I'm... Uh, try me. Yeah. Grand. So, the first one is, these are from hotel. These are from hotel. These are from hotel. Yeah. Right. Do you want a clue? Yes. It was a representative from this year. Oh. At a pre-party. Did they steal something from a hotel? They used it for their performance. Oh, At a gosh. pre-party. Oh, um, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, oh my God, I forgot their name. <laughs> you can say the country. Serbia. Yes, Constracta. Constracta, of course. <laughs> she said, these are from hotel. She used the towels from the hotel. I have a soap. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, here's the line anyway. I have a soap. Right, the last one for this week is... I think you'll get this pretty quickly. Okay. Where's Chanel? I want Chanel. 
Where is Chanel? I want Chanel. Are you not putting Chanel? Why not Chanel? I want Chanel. Take a video of what is slow mo and my head my head would fall. Why not? I want Chanel. And who is it? That is Ronella yes. from Albania. And that is actually from a Eurovision Hub video. Our of friends course. over at Eurovision Hub. That's a very, very funny video, very actually. Funny I suggest video. you check it out. But yeah, so that was our Who Said It segment. Oh, for I didn't this do week. too badly there. No, not Thank too you. bad at all. Very good. Hey, Connor. Hey, Louise. Guess what? The UK is hosting oh! 2023. <laughs> it's going to be so good. So good. In case you've been living on the rock, the UK is hosting Eurovision 2023. And it's all because of this man. Space man, and I wanna go home. Goosebumps. I honestly do have goosebumps. The first time I saw the UK rehearsal, I had major goosebumps, and I'm not gonna lie, all season I didn't know how well the UK was gonna do, and Sam Ryder pulled out that possible winning moment the possible top five result moment there was kind of no question in my mind the goosebumps said it all it's extremely important to note why our lovely next door neighbors are hosting isn't it connor in yeah. the words of sam Ryder himself yeah he basically summed it up and said it's ukraine's party but we're hosting it at our house which i think is a perfect way of describing the uk hosting eurovision next year and yeah. i think you know, we've seen it throughout the selection process in terms of the bidding for each city. The BBC have made it very clear that, you know, Ukraine won and that it should be a core aspect of any city's, you know, decision to host Eurovision or at least apply to host Eurovision next year. But yeah, I think it's very important that that remains an aspect of the show next year. But it Sam is, Ryder way. Oh, Sam Ryder legend. It is unfortunate, like, of course, in an ideal world, Ukraine would be hosting it on Ukrainian soil but I really like this partnership I think as you said they're going to work really well together the BBC has been doing well so far it's been going pretty smoothly Mm -hmm. and there's some nice hype building about where it might be and we've got more information in the last few weeks you know we're down to seven cities that could be hosting you know we've got Birmingham Glasgow Leeds Liverpool Manchester Newcastle and Sheffield Mm-hmm. Very broad range of yeah. cities, you know. A lot. I don't north. mind. Ryanair will take me to any of them. Get that twenty one ninety nine flight. Ryanair, <laughs> Yoppa. Connor, we could get the ferry. Bring our cars. I'm not a fan of boat now. To be honest, I'd rather you know. You're not a fan of the boat. No, I'll suffer for Eurovision though. No bother, but I've got a brilliant idea. Eurovision podcast bus. We pile everybody on. It's like a party on. bus. Yeah. We get on the ferry at Dublin Port, get off at like Liverpool, Hollyhead, whatever. No bother. That'd be so much fun. God, you could put that idea in my head now. 
can't get away from that. Ooh. Baby Guinness on the on the <laughs> bus nonstop, you know. Get them I'll going. I'll swim over. I'll start training to combat the IRC. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring one of those like floaty suitcases yeah. and just put like my essentials in it. And then you can like take the rest of my stuff in your carry-on yeah. and I'll swim over. No bother. No bother. Yeah, no bother. Jesus, the dedication <laughs> from you, my God. How else can we get there? We could we could rent a boat. This is all sounding yeah. very dangerous. Rent a boat. Um, Build else. a tunnel between <laughs> Dublin and Liverpool. You should probably start now. So. Listen, Leo Varadkar, friend of the podcast. <laughs> I think we need to explain that a bit more now because people are probably like, what? <laughs> Previous... Taoiseach Prime Minister of Ireland slash current well he's an alternating Taoiseach isn't he? He will Anyway be. leader of the country yeah. essentially we met him on Eurovision <laughs> night out lads he stands Norway and Moldova mm-hmm. he voted for Trenatal which I think is is gas behaviour and we'll get on to Leo ask for a tunnel <laughs> we need a tunnel for, for us to Eurovision <laughs> oh, shout out to Leo Bradker hope you're listening hope Ireland. you're well See you soon. Hi, Leo. <laughs> See you soon. Uh, but yeah, no, so that is the seven cities anyway hosting. But we're going to go through them in a bit more detail. And we have some help from some friends. Some pals of the podcast. Some pals of the podcast who are giving us a synopsis of why their city mm. should host your vision. So will we kick it off if you want to kick it off, Louise? Yes. Let's start with Birmingham. Let's Woo-hoo. hear why Birmingham should host your vision. Hi, it's Katie here, and I am here to give my voice on why Birmingham would make a good host city for Eurovision 2023. So first of all, let's just address some of the issues in the room. So yes, Birmingham did host the Eurovision the last time it came to the UK, but it was 1998, which essentially was a lifetime ago, and it was a completely different competition then. So hosting in 2023 is something brand, brand new. So I think we could, like, you know, Wipe the slate clean for Birmingham back in 1998. Also, we have just hosted the Commonwealth Games and we did a bloody good job of it. So, you know, let's um, build on that and our experience of hosting a multi-venue international event that was done superbly and, and do it again for Eurovision. And let's do it even bigger and let's do it even better. So, no, those two are gone. And the other thing I'm going to say is, yep, I know that outside Birmingham, it may not have the best reputation, but that's often from people who don't know the city or have never been here. So again, let's try and approach this with a real open, fresh mind and see how we move on from that. So obviously Birmingham has all the necessary infrastructure to host Eurovision in 2023. Otherwise, we wouldn't have made it this far. So I'm not going to bore you with all that stuff, okay? Instead, I'm going to share you some of the bits about Birmingham that maybe you don't really know. Okay, so we're, we are a very young vibrant and diverse city. We're very welcoming. We're very, very warm. Um, We're very good at laughing at ourselves and we have to because the world laughs at us. You know, yeah, we've got a funny accent, but you know, you'll come to love it. You'll come to call everyone Bab as well. Um, So here are some facts. Did you know that we have more miles of canals than Venice? Uh, That we are the home of the Balti, 
Um, thanks to us, there's Cadbury's, HP Source and postage stamps. Um, yes, we're known as being ugly and industrial and, and all that, and we're not going to lie, but we've also improved massively in the last 25 years, and we're not quite as ugly as we used to be. <laughs> but we've also got over 8,000 acres of parkland and one of Europe's biggest urban parks. One of our chemists discovered oxygen... So, you know, you should be thanking us for that. And our industrial roots gave us the steam engine, Thomas the Tank Engine, and even heavy metal music. Tennis was started on a lawn in Edgbaston, and the first football league in the world started here too. We are very hardworking, we're creative, and we have a can-do attitude. And there was a time in our industrial past that absolutely anything was possible. We were called the city of a thousand trades. Now, we're a very young city, with nearly 40% of us are under 25, obviously not me included. Um, And the landscape is forever changing, and we're unrecognisable from 20 years ago. So anyone who was visiting us back in 1998 won't even recognise the place. So everyone hopefully should put their preconceived ideas to one side and come and enjoy Birmingham and what it has to offer for themselves. One massive bolty pan full of architecture festivals, great food, and lots and lots of fun. Hope to see you soon. Okay, so there we have it. Birmingham, what are your feelings, Connor? I wouldn't mind. My friend actually went to college for Erasmus um, just this year to Birmingham, and I loved the city when we went over to visit him. But being there, it was lovely. The people were very Mm. welcoming. It's a very kind of, not small, but it's very, you know tight together compact that'd be the word i say um and it's you know they've hosted so many big events you know they had the commonwealth games a couple of weeks ago which they did a brilliant job about and they you know they did the bbc music awards a couple of years ago they did itv's ukraine concert for ukraine during the summer so they have a lot of experience with hosting you know i wouldn't be opposed to birmingham at all how do you feel about it yeah i'm more than open to birmingham hosting i mean why not i do think I think Birmingham's been getting a bit of a hard time out of all the host cities. I think it's definitely not the favourite amongst the general public. And that's a shame. I don't think them hosting it in 98 is a reason for them not to do it now. You know, I think that's so long ago. The contest is completely different, as we've heard. Um, It's a different world. It's a different show to what it used to be. So why not? So listen, guys, we might see you. In Birmingham, 2023. What is the next city we're going to discuss, Connor? The next city is Liverpool. And here is why Liverpool should host Eurovision. Hi, I'm AJ. And this is why I think Liverpool should host Eurovision 2023. So I'm from a town called Birkenhead, which is just on the other side of the River Mersey to Liverpool. I know Liverpool really well. I'm very lucky to have it so close to me. And I'm really confident that it will be a great host city next year. So Liverpool has a really rich musical heritage. Obviously, it's well known for the Beatles um, and Merseybeat and things like that. But there's actually so many popular artists that have originated from Liverpool and a range of musical genres, um, a range of musical identities um, and a range of musical events that are hosted each year. So I think Eurovision would just fit in so well to that kind of musical um landscape and 
Aside from music, Liverpool is well known for being a really welcoming city. It has a history of welcoming immigrants uh, and people from all over the world being a port city. And I think it really embraced Eurovision and embraced the fact that it is a Ukrainian contest um, and, you know, be really hospitable to the Ukrainians coming to visit Liverpool for the contest. Um, And then finally, Liverpool meets all the criteria for hosting Eurovision. Um, You know, it's got more than enough hotel capacity. It's within easy reach of both Liverpool and Manchester Airport. And then the M&S Bank Arena um, will be a great venue for the contest. It's slap bang in the middle of the city centre and it can host up to 11,000 spectators. Um, So, yeah, I think Liverpool would be a great host city and I think it's a city that would really give it its all for Eurovision. We saw it in 2008 when it was European capital culture. You know, the city put everything behind that. They really uh, pulled out all the stops for that. And I think they would definitely do the same for Eurovision. Thanks, AJ. Brilliant stuff there. Yeah, yeah very interesting. I've never been to Liverpool. Have you not? Never in my life. I wouldn't be opposed to going to Liverpool. Liverpool's I'm, a cool city. It's a good vibe. Have you been? Yeah, I have. Went to the Beatles Museum. Very nice. Very iconic. Chorus iconic music history there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, another great city, you know, like you said, great music history. They obviously have the infrastructure as well. They're yeah. used to, you know, welcoming international people with, yeah. you know, Liverpool Football Club. So they're used to, you know, My dad's hotel. an Everton fan, so we need to be oh, careful okay. here. okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's a UNESCO city of music. Oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For next year? Just, in, just in, general? in general. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, as you said, it's an iconic footballing city. Liverpool has very close ties with Ireland. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, like going back years, uh, we've got the ferry that brings us directly there. It's pretty quick. It's probably our closest yeah. ferry link um, to the UK. What do you make of a Scouse accent? Very nice. Yeah. I love a Scouse accent name. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm Liverpool. A fan. I feel like Liverpool will be a good time. I feel like they, they yeah. would host it very well. I think the nightlife so would be good. It would be well connected. It would be fun. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I wouldn't be opposed to Liverpool. I think, yeah, bring it on. Let's wait and see. Moving on. Close neighbours of Liverpool. Manchester. Now let's hear a little bit about Manchester. This is why I think Manchester should be the host city of the Eurovision Song Contest 2023. So Manchester is my hometown um, and I feel like growing up there, I was always going to like the Manchester arena, the big arena in the centre for concerts. I saw so many amazing artists live there. and I do feel like having Eurovision in that space would be really beneficial. It's for one, a really big arena. There's got a lot of potential for lots of fans to be able to come. So more attendance um, capacity, which I think after the past few years would be really great and hopefully a chance to have a big stage as well. Um, And I think just having more fans in the arena just makes it feel more Eurovision. There's also the potential to have Euro Village in the gay village. Um, Manchester has a great nightlife and there's so many fantastic options for fans to go to after the shows and celebrate and there's you know there's the Mayfield Depot which is a big open area where you can even have screenings there's there's lots of potential places in Manchester to have inclusivity with fans who can't even get tickets for the actual show 
So it'd be nice to have your vision in a big arena, but have the space outside of it as well for your, your fans just to get together and celebrate. And yeah, I just feel like it's a really inclusive city after what's happened in the past five years. We've really come together and I'm very proud of my hometown and I really hope that they choose it for Eurovision. Fingers crossed. Okay, so we've heard a little bit about Manchester potentially hosting Eurovision. Connor, you're a Manchester United fan. I know. Kick us off. I love Manchester. I've been there a couple of times. I'm actually going there in a couple of weeks again. And I love the city. It's such a nice city. Great public transport. Manchester Arena is brilliant as well. And, you know, Mancunians are so nice as well. They're so welcoming. Like I said, with Liverpool, they're used to welcoming fans, Mm -hmm. whether you're Manchester United, Manchester City. So I'm sure they'd welcome Eurovision fans with open hands as well. I would love Manchester to host because, of course, I've been there a couple of times, so I know the city. But as well, you know, they made the BBC made such a big deal out of it last year of, you know, the Eurovision production moving up north to Manchester, to Salford. Salford, yeah, yeah. You know, we had AJ... Mm. giving out the points yeah. making sure to highlight that it was coming from Salford now yeah so I would think this is one to watch in terms of mm. you know I think there's, it's between two this being one and we'll yeah. discuss the other one later Quite but I think yeah, yeah bring on Manchester this one I'd be booking the flights straight away but yeah you know my feeling on Manchester is I just feel like it will be easy yeah do you know what I mean I feel like it's well connected in terms of travel and accessibility Definitely. it's got the infrastructure which I to be fair all of these cities do and they have to in order to be considered but there's something about Manchester that feels easy and maybe it's our familiarity with it the Mm -hmm. fact we've been there before we know how to get around but Manchester is again another great option for next year definitely watch this space we're moving on next to Leeds and let's hear why Leeds should be considered as the host city for Eurovision 2023 Hello, this is Nathan from ESC Extra, who lives in Leeds. I've lived in Leeds for three years now, uh, originally from York, which is just a 20-minute train drive away. And um, I've lived up in Yorkshire pretty much my entire life. And the reason I think that Leeds makes the perfect host city for the Eurovision Song Contest is the proximity of everything. Whether or not you're getting a Airbnb in one of the suburbs of the city or you're staying actually in the city centre itself, everything's really accessible through bus routes or just by walking. It's one of the host city benefits, I suppose, of being in Leeds. It's the idea that, you know, where I am on one side of the city centre, it only takes me 20 minutes to get to the arena on foot. And to do that, I go past a whole load of bars, restaurants, cafes, anything you could imagine for nightlife we have because when it comes to culture the thing that leads is so famous for is actually it's nightlife we're a city that's big on live music we're a city that has amazing independent eateries and some really high class independent bars and and kind of Ultimately, for the full Eurovision experience, it's the type of city that would really get behind it and make it something special for every Eurovision fan. Okay, so we're in Yorkshire now. Wow, Emmerdale, mm. here we go. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah, Yorkshire You're the soap king, I'm soap aren't man. you? Yeah, yeah. Loving, yeah, loving old soap. I would not have known that. Um, I think it's great that Leeds is being considered. 
fucking said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it's great that Leeds is being considered. I think so too. It's good to see the smaller city. Not smaller, but you know, the ones that... The ones that get less, less recognition yeah. maybe than others, yeah. You know, because there's always London, Manchester, all these, you know, big cities that we know and mm. hear about all the time. But yeah, I think Leeds, look, like you said, if they have the infrastructure, they should be considered for it. Absolutely. And yeah, it's really, it's really good to see. And um, yeah, any interesting facts for Leeds you have or... Well, you know who's a big fan of Leeds? Czech Republic 2022. Oh. We are Domi. They actually all met while studying at Leeds College of Music. Wow. Mm. So could we fact. see a comeback from them? I feel like if it came to Leeds, they'd love to come back to the contest. With the I'd love to see them regardless. Know? I think yeah, they'd be great. Cool. But mm. that's interesting. Yeah. And um, people from Leeds are called loiners. Loiners? Loiners. Yeah. So not like... Is that not something you get in a butcher's loin? I've loiners. Not. Oh, like, yeah. Pork loin or strip loin or something. Um, I don't know where it comes from, but this it's is... Cool name. This is what Google <laughs> has told me. Some famous loiners. Mel B from the Spice Girls. Yeah. Mm. I love our accent. I love a Leeds accent. Very thick. Yeah, there Very... is something that about that accent. It's, it's, it's different. Mm, yeah, it's just distinguishable. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't know a huge amount about Leeds, so I'm kind of curious. Yeah. It would just be cool to see a different city that we don't know as well hosting it. I mean, why not? Definitely bring it on. From we one Yorkshire next? city to, the to next. another. Sheffield. <laughs> MJ, kick us off. Tell us about Sheffield. Hey guys, it's MJ calling you from Sheffield. Um, and the reason that I think that Sheffield should be the one to host Eurovision 2023 over any of the other cities, and I think the thing that makes us stand out from the other cities, is that we are not only twinned with a Ukrainian city, Donetsk, but we were actually one of the first cities in the UK to do so. Not only that, but we were the very first city of sanctuary in the UK, which means that we open up our city and take pride in the fact that we welcome asylum seekers and refugees. I think a lot of people, when they talk about the UK city that should host, sometimes forget that we're hosting on behalf of Ukraine this year. And therefore, I think the fact that we have kept Ukraine very much in the forefront of our bid and that we take such pride in our ties with Ukraine and in taking in people from war-torn countries in their hour of need sets us apart and is really important this year in particular. So, Sheffield 2023, let's have it. Okay, thanks MJ. I think that's really interesting about how Sheffield is twinned with the Ukrainian city. That's like a very, very interesting point to note, isn't it? Definitely. And I think, like we said earlier, it's such an integral part of next year's contest and it's good to highlight the reasons why, you know, Sheffield should be considered. And it's brilliant to hear about the history between, you know, Sheffield and, you know, the city of in yeah. Donetsk. So, yeah, I think that's more than a valid reason for Sheffield to be considered as, you know, a venue for Eurovision 2023. Absolutely. Did you know Sheffield is home to the Arctic Monkeys? Really? Yeah. Pretty cool. Imagine Sheffield hosted and then Arctic Monkeys Rep- represent <laughs> the UK. That'd be a bit of madness. Um, again, Sheffield is the city of steel, I believe it's called. 
is a place I don't know very much about, but like there's no better excuse than Eurovision to go and explore a new place. And again, another city which I feel like hasn't as much recognition as other cities like London and so on, you know? Exactly. And I think as well, Eurovision has had this history in recent years of going to not the popular cities within the winning Mm. country. You know, we've gone to Malmo. I would have never gone to Malmo. Turin, I would have never gone to Turin. Do you know what I mean? Mm. These kind of cities that we might not be familiar with, like you said. So, yeah, I think Sheffield would be brilliant. Absolutely. Sheffield 2023. Crack on, let's go for it. Next up, we're going to Newcastle. Why I mate. (laughs) (laughs) And let's hear why Newcastle should be considered. Hi, everyone. Callum Rowe here from aboutthecontest.com. I'm a Eurovision expert, a massive fan of the contest, and I'm advocating that Newcastle in the northeast of England host Eurovision 2023. Why? Well, Eurovision is the biggest party in the world and there isn't a party city like Newcastle anywhere else in the country and maybe it's not even in, in the world. We're a city of sanctuary as well. We've welcomed hundreds of Ukrainian families since February and we're one of the friendliest cities in the country as well. We've got an 11,000 seat uh, capacity arena ready to host uh, Eurovision. We are such a compact city as well. We, we, People might think that being a small city is a bad thing, but absolutely not. It is not a bad thing at all. Our proposed venue and um, ideas um, and locations for hosting the Euroclub and Eurovision Village, they're all walkable in less than 40 minutes, maybe even 30 minutes if you get a move on. Um, we've got great transport links. We've got an East Coast main line um, that goes right through the city. This, the central station is right in the middle of the city centre too. We've got uh, an international airport which is connected to the city via one of the only light rail rapid transit systems outside of uh, London. We've got green transport links as well. We've got a daily ferry route that goes uh, to and from Amsterdam. So if people want a greener way to travel to Eurovision, they've certainly got that. And Newcastle is the place to be for events. Often gets overlooked for big events, but when we do them, we do them right. We've hosted world-class Athletics with the Diamond League, um, we've hosted European Rugby Finals, we've got the Rugby League World Cup coming to the city later on this year. We, in 2019, hosted the World Transplant Games and welcomed tens of thousands of competitors and spectators, all with very complex and challenging accessibility requirements and hosted that no problem. Every year as well we host the Great North Run which sees 60,000 amateur and professional runners and athletes descending on the city to compete in one of the world's biggest half marathons. We've got so much more. I wish I could cram in more more, more information in this time, but I don't have the time. Um, but yeah, Newcastle is the place to be for events and uh, we are a party city, like I said. So bring on Newcastle. Callum, thank you for that. Some very, very strong detailed, words. Very yeah, good yeah. analysis of why Newcastle should be considered... I have never been to Newcastle, of course, know it a lot from Geordie Shore. So, you know, the party <laughs> and the party life would be brilliant. I wonder how people from Newcastle would feel about that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine people were talking about Dublin, they were referencing California. California. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Who needs that many eggs? <laughs> <laughs> You're 19. <laughs> um, very Irish reference there, yeah. sorry. Um, oh, Newcastle would be fun connor definitely i i we'd get a few imagine. baby guinness and a oh, few could the barrels go on i'd say <laughs> <laughs> no one us 
<laughs> no, I think Newcastle would be. We're brilliant. very responsible people. Yeah, 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 you know, you know, we we always remember our nights. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think Newcastle would be perfect. You know, they've hosted world-renowned artists before. They know mm. how to do, you know, big events and stuff. So I would be more than happy to go to Newcastle. Do you know how I feel about Newcastle? I just feel like Geordies would look after you. I don't yeah. know what it is. I haven't met that many people from Newcastle. But anytime I have, I've like fallen in love with them. Like I just love Geordies. I love the accent. I love their energy. I feel like they're very similar to Irish people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of warm, welcoming yeah. feeling. I feel like they just mind us. Like they would make sure we had the absolute best, best time, time, the best crack. And it would just be a whale of a time. Yeah. And it would be nice again to go north. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Somewhere different. Any interesting facts before we move on? Any interesting facts about Newcastle? Well, just on a personal level, I absolutely love Sam Fender. <laughs> He's from that part of the world. Oh, imagine he, like, Newcastle hosted and he was, like, interval yeah. involved. Oh, 17, Going Under, one of my favourite songs. Oh, it'd be so, so cool. Um, Newcastle has great experience in hosting large events as mentioned like the European Rugby Club finals and so on World Transpact Games they're well able to host it I I, I would back Newcastle I'm not gonna lie I'm on board lovely yeah. well you mentioned going north we're even going more north mm. now with our next city Louise where are we Glasgow <laughs> I would like to formally apologise to the people of Scotland <laughs> I feel like as your Celtic cousin, I'm allowed to try. <laughs> okay, someone, please take us away about Glasgow. Hi, guys. It's Michal, and I've been living in Glasgow for three years. And here is why I think Glasgow would be the perfect city to host Eurovision. First of all, it's very accessible. There are two airports in Glasgow, and there's the possibility of flying to Edinburgh and getting a train over the transport system in Glasgow is amazing. There's an underground system, there's trains, there's buses, and they all have stops that are very, very close to the arena. You can also take an Uber, there's taxis, and you can also hire bikes as well. Glasgow is Scotland's only city in the running, and I think this is very unique, and it gives Glasgow a bit of an edge over other UK cities. There's there are many universities in Glasgow, so it's full of young people and there are many bars and clubs so that many, there can be many Euro clubs or unofficial Euro clubs if we need. Um, there, there's a mixed architecture in Glasgow. There's so many old and new buildings. Um, and as for the arena, it holds 14,000, um, which is one of the biggest arenas out of the seven cities, I'm pretty sure. Um, the arena itself, you probably know this, but it was used for the exterior in the Eurovision movie. And beside the arena, there's Armadillo. And I think that could act as like a fan arena, just like in 2016, I think it would be perfect. And as for Glasgow itself, there's a lot of green space. Um, so for example, Kevin Go Park is very close to the arena. It'd be very good for the Euro Village, as well as Glasgow Green as it does transmit every year, it could also do the Euro Village. Um, and those are only a few of the many reasons that I think that Glasgow should 
host Eurovision 2023. I hope to see you there. Glasgow! <laughs> <laughs> He's never gonna let me live that day. Connor, are we going to Scotland? Scotland. 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 Oh my god. I'd love to go to Glasgow. Never been to Scotland. Have you not? No, have you? I've been to Edinburgh. Never seen Glasgow. Is it nice? Glasgow. Uh, Edinburgh is lovely. I've heard lots of great things about Glasgow. Definitely have too. Especially as well, you know, before it was even confirmed that the UK were going to be hosting, Glasgow was always the one being mentioned yeah. and kind of pointed out. And of course, it was in the Eurovision movie as, you know, the host yeah. city, which is an interesting very relevant. little fact. Um, not to steal your thunder with the facts. <laughs> <laughs> How very dare. Um, but yeah, no, I would be very open to Glasgow I love the, I saw the map of like where they would host it in the Ovo Arena, but like it's like a mini little village where you could have the press centre, Euro Club, that would be lovely, that little bubble. It's so pretty. It's really, of the arenas I've seen, it's the prettiest. Yeah. Imagine it like all lit up, like that shape. It just, it looks really, really cool. Imagine like the flags of the country for like the postcards and that'd be deadly. I can definitely see it 100%. Uh, Glasgow just seems like a cool city. It's full of culture, very strong ties to Ireland. Of course. I believe it's been voted the friendliest city in the world before. Really? Yeah. According to Time Out, a 2022 survey, it topped the survey as the world's friendliest city. Wow. Yeah. I think the arena as well was voted like the number one venue a couple of years ago for hosting you know events and stuff so that's obviously a good thing as well yeah it's interesting as well scotland has actually hosted eurovision before way back in 1972 in edinburgh Mm. so it'd be nice to see them modern modern kind of city yeah or modern contest in in a new city within scotland and as well do you like uk england always get stuff it'd be nice for you know scotland to get something our celtic cousins as i will keep saying bring it on Bring it on. Uh, the 1969 Eurovision winner, Lulu, not me, other <laughs> she is, of, of course, endorsing her beloved city of Glasgow. I just feel like, again, Glaswegians would look after you. They'd make sure you're having a great time. There's this warmth about Scottish people that I always relate to. And... Yeah, Ryanair definitely flies out from <laughs> Dublin, so you checked. get me on that flight, please. Um, it, Glasgow does sort of feel like the front runner, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Like we were saying earlier, I think Glasgow and Manchester, those mm. are the two to, to, you know, look out for. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think, if you're gut, like gut right now, if you were to put your, you know, entire life savings on it, where would we be heading next May? That's really difficult. I honestly, it's, you know, it's like looking at these, it's like looking at Eurovision semi-final. I want them all to qualify, but they can't. There's great arguments for all of these cities and particularly for the cities which can be overlooked, you know. My heart does say Glasgow. It does. That's my intuition. It's, there's been a home of Glasgow from the very, very beginning. But, I mean, I'm open to being surprised too. What's your feeling, Connor? Same as you. Like, you know, I'd happily go to any of these cities. Yeah. You know, they're all easy, accessible for us. They all seem to be, you know, well able to host Eurovision. 
Well, great people, enthusiastic. Yeah. I think for me though, Manchester, Glasgow, I'd, I'd happily, you know, endorse. Outsiders, as well, Newcastle as well. I'm very keen on Newcastle, I won't yeah. lie. Yeah, I feel I like that'd be a good time. Any of those three, I'd be very much mm. happy for them. But again, like we said, any of them are well able to host Eurovision. Once they keep the aspect of Ukraine hosting or Absolutely. being, you know, having the win from last year, once they keep that a core element of, you know, hosting in their city. Yeah. Bring it on. It's the most important thing for next year, isn't it? Definitely. That the Ukrainian feeling is very much flowing through the contest. Definitely. And I do trust the BBC and the EBU working with the Ukrainian broadcaster to uphold that. I think it's very important for the Ukrainian people and, of course, for Kalish Orchestra, given that they won it for their country, you know? Definitely. We should mention, it's the Ukrainian Day of Independence on the day that we record this. Yes. And you saw a video online that people should go check out from the yeah. Ministry of Defence. Yeah, it was uh, a, a Scottish military band, actually, funnily enough, because we've just been talking about Glasgow. Really um, beautiful version of Stefania. And watching that, it gave me goosebumps, like imagining maybe a Ukrainian Eurovision in Glasgow or elsewhere in the UK. Who knows? Um, I just can't. I'm still shocked that the UK are hosting it. It's mad. Embers came last. dead last in 21. Zero points. Imagine Both. someone told 21 Louise and Connor we're going to the UK in 23. We'd laugh. Yeah, We'd laugh. it's crazy. It's important to say, of course, we're Eurovision, we're Ireland related. Yeah. What does the UK hosting mean for Ireland? It's huge, isn't it? It is it is quite big for the yeah. you know, the reputation of Eurovision in Ireland, I think. It's huge for Ireland, Connor. Like there's no doubt in my mind. Let me just put it this way. Ireland and the UK, we go back a while. <laughs> we know each other. If we were Facebook status, it'd say it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and like that depends from what perspective you're coming from or like what generation you are or you know but we have very close ties like we're we're siblings we're cousins we're next door neighbors whatever way you want to put it let me put it as simply as i can i would be shocked if ireland turns up to a eurovision hosted in the uk with a turd there is no way like we would allow that to happen Irish people would be up in arms it's like you don't go into your next door neighbour's party empty handed you know what I mean you show up with your best bottle of vino and your like your biggest cake with all the icing and all all the toppings you know like we're going to throw the kitchen sink at it or we should should. if you're listening (laughs) RTE and relevant parties (laughs) Um, no I'm very very keen to see how we as a Eurovision nation next door neighbours are going to respond to this definitely I echo everything that you just said there Mm. I think as well we've never really built on you know from year to year it always seems as if we kind of take it you know we look at 2020. And then we go, okay, 2020 happened. Let's move on to 2021. We never build mm. on what we, you know, what's happened in the previous year. I think yeah. Brooke has sent a good foundation in terms of getting the fans loving Ireland yeah. again. You, you know, you need to build on that next year. You need to yeah. know what worked, what didn't work. Build on that now. And like you said, we're going to the UK. You can't be sending crap. You can't be selling, sending stuff that, you know, people are like, oh, Jesus, here we if go. If we like, send a dud, I'm going to have to quit, Connor. Like, mm, 
I'm going to have to retire. <laughs> like, where's my pension? Literally, you know, like, like, I can't, I can't, I can't take much more heartbreak. I'm just going to pretend I'm from somewhere. Else. I'm Spanish now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, vamos Chanel, you know, like Ganadora. Like, I just can't. I don't know. Look, we're a bit downcast at the moment. There's potential and any updates that come through regarding Ireland, hopefully you'll hear it here first and we will be here to digest and discuss it all. But for now... We are very, very excited. On Shketamini Erin, looking forward to Eurovision 2023, hosted in the UK on behalf of Ukraine. Eurovision. Right, that is all we've got time for on this week's episode of Eurovision, our first ever episode High done five. and dusted. High five. Also, we'd like to give a big, big thank you to Katie, AJ, Paul, Nathan, MJ, Callum and Mihal for their contribution to the podcast. Definitely have you guys back on in the future. So thank you for that. Well, we discussed a lot on this episode. So let us know what you thought of, you know, Eurovision 2022, the host cities for 2023, everything like that. Make sure to follow us on our social media channels. You can get us on Twitter at Pod. On Instagram at Airvision Podcast, and you can email us as well, airvisionpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Do, do. We'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Gurv Miguel Mahagwiv and a little bit more Gwelga just before you go. Bye for now. Slong Paris on the shores of